All right. So I'm pretty bad at the moment. I've had a pretty bad man flu for the past couple of days. So I'm going to sound pretty terrible. But I've got tissues. So we'll get through it all right. So let's start. Have you ever known that something is coming and because of that thing coming, you've reacted differently? So you look towards the future and because of that future, you've got to change how you're living now. So as we all know, fat, it's coming up really, 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 really soon, too soon. And I've got a little bit to do. I've got a couple things to do. And because I've got to do those couple things, that's changing my life over this week and the next two days. So my whole next two days are going to be completely focused on the future. So because of the future, you get the point. It's pretty basic. So let's get into it. The first thing when I read this passage, the first thing I get is to be ready. So let's read it. Let's read verses 35 to 47. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants who f- whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom the master puts in charge of his servants? to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. All our lives, we get told to be ready. From such a young age, you know, it's get ready for school. Be ready for your exam. Get ready for church. Get ready for sport. Be ready. That's what we get told. Here we see Jesus telling us to be ready. And he tells us why. He says, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that we do not expect. This verse, verse 40, it's a reference towards Jesus' second coming. So Jesus came and he died on the cross for us and he will come a second time. But this time he will come to judge. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 13 says that their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. It's this day that we need to be ready for. And Jesus, he gives us a few hints, a few pictures on how to be ready from the passage. So verse 35. Verse 35 says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. 
This sounds like a servant who is always ready. I read a commentary, and the commentary said it looks like a servant whose robe's always tucked in. Now, I feel like it's really weird because where do you tuck a robe? But the way I like to think about it is the person's sleeves are rolled up. You know, they're ready at any moment to stop what they're doing and go to their master's aid. They're ready for service. And on top of this, their lamps are burning. Now, you only usually light a lamp when it's dark. When it's dark, it's usually bedtime. But Jesus gives gives, gives us the impression that he expects us to be ready no matter the time, light or day. Um, Jesus also connects this to the next verse, verse 6, when he says it's like a servant who is ready to open the door for the master after a wedding banquet. Now, weddings in the earth back then, they weren't like now. Um, their finish times were a bit less on the dot, so they could finish literally whenever. Like, they could go for five days. So for the servant to be ready for, to open the door for the master, he would have had to be prepared at the house nonstop. He was really ready. He was there for his master. He was waiting for his master to return. Then we can move to verse 40. Verse 40. Be, where is it? Verse 40. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. Be ready. We see it again. The Son of Hour, oh sorry, you've got to be alert. You've got to be watchful, be attentive. Jesus will return. And as we see, it's going to be at a time when we do not expect it. Verse 41, be a faithful and wise manager. As well as being ready and prepared for Jesus' return, we should also be serving faithfully to his purpose while we're here. While the master's out, the servant is the steward. Does anyone know what a steward is? I feel like it's pretty old. But it's the person who looks in charge of the house when the real house owner goes for a while. Um, so we're to be servants who serve faithfully. We're to look after everyone else in the house. We're to feed them, take care of them, look after them. I've got a little bit of an illustration. Um, I'm not very imaginative, so bear with it. There's a man, right? And for some reason, he wins a billion dollars. He's just lucky. The only problem with it is he has to be home to open the door to get the the billion dollars. So if he's not home when they knock, he doesn't get it. They also tell him, though, it could come any time from now and a week from now. So at any moment through then, you could get it. So what does he do? You know, he puts baby monitors next to the door in case he's in the toilet and they come. He'll be out of here. He adds multiple cameras. Like, he goes hectic. He sits in front of it. Like, he's ready. He's prepared. He's put all of his energy and all of his focus into this billion dollars. And so when the truck comes... He's ready. He's prepared. He's right there. When they knock, he opens. Jesus is returning. We know that for sure. 
And with that return, judgment is coming. And that judgment is coming at an unexpected time. He will knock on our doors. The only other thing is, will we be there ready to open it for him? So are we living our lives ready for Jesus to return? If Jesus returned tomorrow, are you at the door? Is Jesus your main priority in your life? Do you spend more time on Facebook than you do reading the Bible? Do you spend more time watching television than spreading the good news? Do we live lives that reflect the belief of who Jesus is and that he is returning? So that's the first point. Be ready. This passage also gives out a terrible, terrible warning. And here's the second point. Don't miss the master coming home. Let's read verse 45 and 46. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces, cut him to pieces, and assign him a place with the unbelievers. We see here the consequences of not being ready, of not being prepared, and not being there for when the master returns. The master's left, the servant's being put in charge of the household, he's being made the steward. His job was to look after everyone in the house, take care of them, feed them, treat them properly. And instead, his purpose and instruction, it gets clouded. He gets distracted by power. He starts to abuse people, starts to be extremely selfish, and starts to drink a lot. Um, And then the master returns. And it's at a time that the servant didn't think would happen. And what was the servant doing? Not his duty. He failed. And the punishment is horrific. Verse 46, he'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The punishment goes further than just the physical of here and now. It goes into the eternal. The servant is given a place with the unbelievers. He's stripped of any relationship with God. He faces God's wrath. This punishment, it should shock us. It should hit us deeply, it should make us worried. It should also give us a deep want and a deep need to be ready for the return. The servant lived like the master wasn't going to return. The servant's life and his actions reflected what was in his heart. So back to the billion-dollar man. Suppose, same thing, gets told he wins a billion dollars, Instead of, though, saying that he will get it within a week, they don't give him a time. So they say, you just have to be there to answer the door. So for the first few days, you know, he's doing the same thing. He's ready, he's prepared, he's got the cameras and the many doorbells. But then the weeks start to go by, then the months. Then his life starts to get distractions in it, sport, relationship, Partying. 
Then his belief in it disappears. He loses belief. And then time comes. They knock at his door and he's not there. He's out, passed out somewhere. He missed it. He missed the prize. Our situation is a little bit like that. (laughs) Jesus is returning. He is coming. And he will come in all his glory and all his power and all his might. And he will come to judge. And at that moment, are you going to be the servant who's ready, who's prepared, who's being faithful, has taken care of the house? Or are you going to be the other servant who's drunk, who abuses his power, who's selfish, only looks after himself? When we read the Bible, sometimes we make the wrong impression and read the Bible as it was written directly towards us here now. So this part of the Bible was written to a certain group of people at a certain time in history. But we can still, get this, extrapolate or get some stuff out of it. So what can we get out of it? <laughs> I used a dictionary. <laughs> um, we can get out of it that Jesus will return. I'm, I can't say that enough and I'm not going to stop saying it. Jesus will return. We're in a period where the master, he's out of the house. And we've been charged to be ready, be prepared for when he returns, and to be a faithful and wise manager. Here it comes to, are there things in in your life which are stopping you from doing that? Are there things choking out your Christian lives? Are there things choking out growth? Are there things preventing you from being ready to open the door? What are you doing about those things? And the last thing from this passage that I want us to see is the way we should wait for the return. We see clearly from verse 42 that we're to do something while we're waiting. While the master is out, the servant just doesn't do do nothing. He's a faithful and wise manager. Now, how are we to be a wise and faithful manager here in Central Coast, Australia, now? I'm going to give you four things. One really broad thing, and then three personal things. The first broad thing. You need to live, live every day with the kingdom and Jesus in your heart and in your mind. Jesus should be the central focal part of your life. Every action, every choice, and every moment should be done with him in mind. Now, personally, three different ways. Now, I'm not limiting these three are the only ways. These three are just some ways that when looking at my own life, I've found helpful to improve on. The first one is how you spend your time. What do you spend your time on? I was once told to write a time diary. Oh, that's a bit lame. A time sheet. Rap. Yeah. (laughs) Sounded heaps more manly in my head. (laughs) I was told to write something and to see what I had spent most of my time on. And of course, what do you think came up most? Sport, 
TV, just hanging with mates. They dominated my time. It got me thinking, why wasn't I spending more time reading the Bible? Why wasn't I spending more time speaking to my friends about Jesus? It's not wrong to spend time on sport, Facebook, TV, but it's when those things become the central part of your life. Jesus needs to remain at the center. Work hard at using the time that we have here for the glory of God. Make goals for yourself. Sorry. In one goal that I've tried to make a few times is every minute I spend on Facebook, I then have to spend the same amount of time reading the Bible. Now that did two things. I didn't spend as much time on Facebook and I read more Bible. Make an effort to reach every youth group, every G team for one term, no matter what party is on, no matter what fun and chill session, what movie. Make an effort to get there. Make sure that your life reflects the love that you have for Jesus and the knowledge that you have that he is returning. He is coming home. Spend your time on eternally weighted things. Second one is how you spend your money. Now, I remember when I was youth and people would start talking about money, I'd always go, I don't have any. It's pretty much true, you don't have that much. But it's what you do with that little you have. You might only get 50 cents a week, or you might get several hundred a week. It's setting yourself structures now on how to give. I guarantee it is easier to set those structures now while you have little money than when you get a full-time job and you start earning big money. Set yourself structures of giving now. I'm not going to tell you how much because it's not up to me. It's between you and God. Spend your money on things of eternal weight. If Jesus came back tomorrow, do you think having that new CD, that new game, that new TV, that new anything is going to be any worth? Thirdly is how you care for your neighbours. Now, early in the term, we learnt that God has told us to love our neighbour and that our neighbour is everyone. So how do you go at caring for your neighbour? How many times a week do you pray for your friends? How many times a week do you pray for your enemies? What's your reaction to someone who asks for help? Someone who's not your friend? How many times do you try and weave Jesus into conversations with your friends? The ultimate love you could show a friend is the one where you bring them to Jesus. How inclusive are you at youth group? Sounds silly that youth group, a group where Christians meet, there's some exclusiveness and people get left out. Love your neighbor. Jesus is going to return. And at that time, if you're not with him, then you will receive his judgment. Fourthly, sorry, I added one. Yeah. Fourthly, the right way to wait for Jesus is to actually make sure that you know him. Now, if you're not here, I mean, if you are here and you don't know Jesus, I can't recommend enough to spend time on finding out about him. It's life or death. It's worth figuring out 
who he is and what he did for us on the cross. Jesus offers us mercy. He offers us grace. We just need to accept it. Again, Jesus is returning. If you return right this second, are you ready? That's it. I'm going to pray. Um, yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you will give us the courage and the energy to uh, speak to as many people as we can about you. I pray that you will give us the strength to uh, be prepared and be ready for your return. And I thank you for your grace and mercy that you have showed us. Amen.